Hey, it's Mike from Realistic Sustainability. Ads? Ads are an important part of the show. They help keep us going. We hate things like paywall or pay to listen or separating certain kinds of content from our existing content. To be honest, we like to keep it all available. It's sustainability. It's information. We like to keep it all free. To do that, well, we've allowed ads. Some are partners. Some are through Spotify. We have listener donations. Those help a ton. And if we had enough of those, we wouldn't even allow commercials. Or we even do things like the product reviews, where if you buy something on a link through the site, well, we get a few cents for it. And for those of you who are already starting to do that, thanks. We've added my favorite books and some of the documentaries I recommend. If you buy some of those, Realistic Sustainability gets a little bit back. So don't do it just to do it. But if you really want to and you were going to anyways, use the link. But anyways, what you may not know is Anchor, the hosting site that we used, was bought by Spotify. And they've decided that Realistic Sustainability has a large enough fan base to receive ads. One thing I don't like is they want it in the middle of the show. Yeah, I don't really like that. I'm kind of a consumer of podcast, and it bugs me when you stop the flow of a show and throw an ad in the middle. Now, not to say that it will never happen, but as of right now, we've kind of found a way around it. Since we're already helping other podcasts like The Curated Culture, and if you're not checking it out, you should. Rob Bogan is still awesome. It allows a gap in the show because Spotify doesn't know that that's an ad in the beginning, that we're working with a partner. So what you're going to see is two different ways. One, in the front of the show, there's a partner ad or this PSA. Then the Spotify. Then the show. The whole show. It's the best way I can find so far to keep the whole show together. And again, at some point, they may catch us and they may make us fix it. But for now, I just wanted to let you know, we, we kind of need to do the ads, mainly to keep the show going. But also, I don't want to tear up the show by putting things in the middle. So right now, this is the way we're handling it. So as always, I appreciate all of you for listening. I appreciate your patience and for many of you, your generosity. And we will always do the best we can to offer the best show and do what we can to minimize the interruptions. Thank you. And, um, well, I guess enjoy their advertisement, then our show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm by myself. You'll never guess what happened today. We got up extra early. I drug my butt all the way to Dabble. It is a long, horrible drive through massive amounts of snow. I'm kidding. It was mainly a dusting, and um, it's three blocks away. But no sooner than Nick and I are supposed to start recording this next episode, he got called into work. Of course he did. So, unfortunately... I kept promising a new, a Nick to be back this week. We can't do it because I have to be in Detroit all day tomorrow. So even if Nick had that opportunity, I don't then. That's how our schedules always seem to fall, opposite of each other. It is a pain in the booty. But luckily, I don't have to do the same show. I've got some things I want to talk about. But it has been one heck of a day. So all that happening in the morning, it is now for me 
740 at night, which you're going, hey, Mike, come on, suck it up. It's not that late, but it feels late to me. It's been snowing all day. I have to be an hour and a half away from the house tomorrow early in the morning, which means I have to go to bed early, which, you know, I can do. I'm fully capable of going to bed on time, but I still have another meeting yet tonight from 830 to 930. It is brutal, but it is what it is. We're all trying to do good things, and sometimes it takes a little effort. So that's what I'll do. This week, I have kind of a couple of things that it really wasn't like a full show, but really wasn't quite a short, if, if you know what I mean. So I'm going to take this opportunity, my, my Nicholas opportunity, to talk about some of them. One of them happened last night. Yep, Jamie will enjoy this because she decides to have a seat and watch television. I come in the room, sit down, and she is watching 72 Most Dangerous Places to Live on Netflix. Okay, sounds like we're just kind of seeing the uh, anguish of people, but it is what it is. She, she wants to watch the show. She's about halfway through it before I even come into the room, so she's kind of into it by now. And she does kind of get on me for talking occasionally through a show, and this one was no different. I have to tell you this. They were talking about a town in Sweden. It is Kiru, Kiruna, Kiruna. I've practiced that a little bit and still failed. But there's a town in Sweden called Kiruna that is a major coal mining operation town. And it's not just a town. This is a city. It's got about 23,000 people. I was dumbfounded by the story. If you've ever seen this show, it's just real quick discussions about dangerous places to live. And the reason why this town was considered to be dangerous was because the coal company had contacted the city and said, we have to dig deeper to get more coal. That in itself is not a story. We're kind of used to it. You know, there's always looking for more because yeah, as time goes on, those obsolete energy options have become harder and harder to find. But what they told the city was that if they dug deeper, there's a very good chance that it would disrupt the ground that the city is on. There was a real chance that the city would fall into a sinkhole. Well, I think any normal person would have declined the option to make the city fall into a sinkhole, but that's not what I heard. In this show, that is not what they said. And remember, they're only dedicating like six minutes to each topic because there's so many. If, it, probably not even that, a minute or two on most. But what they had decided was, in order to get that coal, they're just going to move the city. Yeah. That was a pause on purpose. It was for dramatic effect. Out of all the options, including saying no or find coal elsewhere, the answer was to move the city three kilometers away. They're literally supposed to be taking the city apart and reassembling it three kilometers away. Um, I, um, I don't know what to say about that. I think that is kind of... It tells you where we stand right now when it comes to coal. Like we are willing to do anything, anything to go find more energy, to go find more obsolete chunks to burn. And that to me was shockingly amazing that the answer, it was, it was easier for them to say, we'll just move the city. Then we'll go find it somewhere else. So you might think this was like a long time ago. You might say, well, you know, they do really weird things. It was not that long ago. This is a city that first settled in the 1800s. Yeah. So they're going to move this city piece by piece. 
all the way through, not the whole city, just, you know, the side that's going to be a problem, about 6,000 residents and about 3,000 homes. They're just moving them basically to the other side. They're going to try to keep all the same buildings. The project is going to take until 2035 to fully complete. Again, let the craziness of everything I'm saying right now sink in. Instead of finding a new place to get coal or importing their needs, they're moving the city piece by piece, house by house, about two and a half miles away. Yeah, I don't even know how to take that. As a sustainability nerd, the concept of moving a town for more coal is mind-boggling. But the real story was I couldn't shut up. My loving wife is trying to watch a show, and I'm, I'm just dumbfounded by the concept that I'm seeing here, that they would much rather move a city then find another way. They're displacing people. Moving, They get to keep the same house, but they have to uproot it and travel it across. And the project won't even be done until approximately 2035. Wow. In case you're wondering, yeah, Jamie thought it was interesting for a minute, but I did get one of those, dude, can you stop talking? I'm trying to watch a show. She wasn't wrong. I was voicing my opinion to the poor person who was there, and it's always her. So, JB, if you're listening, thank you. But it's still crazy. Anyways, just so you know, the bulk of the worst places to live, only half of them or so were because of natural disasters or living on a hurricane coast, near a volcano, things like that. A lot of them, man-made problems. It made me think about that town in Pennsylvania that the coal mine's still on fire to this day. Makes me want to research it again. Keep your eyes open. I'll have that come back. But anyways, that was 72 Most Dangerous Places to Live on Netflix. So if you want to be irritated by a TV show, there you go. Uh, the, the other part before I move on, they were so excited to tell us. There was nothing negative about that segment. They were just like, wow, look, we need to do this, so we're going to move that. There was no asking why or what it took to get them to the point where they would say, hey, let's just move a good chunk of the city. None of that. They were just in awe of the engineering it would take to move and make those people safe. One of the things that could have made those people safe is stop digging under the city. But, you know, sometimes the easiest answer isn't always thought of, but it is still the easiest answer. Anyways, I thought you'd like to hear that just for the simple fact that I was bewildered, confused. And if you don't believe me, you can go on and check it. It is, um, it is silly. The other thing that I was working at today was something called a waveline magnet. Now, I'm going to tell you about the waveline magnet a little bit, but it's not really the moral of the story of this conversation. The waveline magnet is kind of a cool thing. This is a device that lays on the water surface, and as waves pass through, it moves up and down, and it's kind of like one of those rollout mats that you have solar panels on except for it sits on the surface of the ocean. And, and as it moves, it's not exactly just solar panels. It had, looks like it had some, but it's the kinetic movement of the waves that it's collecting and converting over into usable energy, which was kind of a cool thing. So when I saw it, I decided, no, I should learn at least a little bit more about it. I know that it's new because there's not a ton of detailed information about it. It's one of those, it can peak out at 1.4 kilowatt hours, uh, or but on average it's under one kilowatt hour. But, but to be fair, they were highly touted and very much celebrated because that is greatly better than most wave collection, kinetic energy type pieces of equipment. 
this was one of those things that they quite seriously would hook to floating bases. They could hook it to boats and different things. So it could slow charge some stuff. But they were showing this interesting thing and Google it. I'm probably doing a terrible job explaining it. But in wave pools and functioning, it looks like a big flat snake. So as the wave comes through, it just moves up and down and absorbs those movements and, and converts those into usable energy. So this is considered one of the most efficient wave converters. So many of them still struggle. It's new technology. And so people were pretty excited. It still looks to be quite limited. My guess is very expensive. It could You couldn't find a spot to buy it. It was more news showing that it worked. So Swell, the Sea Wave Energy Limited company, is out of Cyprus in the UK. And it, they're constantly working on devices so that if you are offshore, something that you can easily deploy that is lightweight and can, and can convert that kinetic energy to something useful. It would be pretty useful for someone who's stranded, for sure. They work really hard to continue to keep the mass low so it's easy to deploy. It's made out of completely recyclable materials, and it has very little maintenance and won't sink, which, you know, kind of important on the ocean. And their hopes is that this is something that boat owners or you know offshore facilities may use to help generate some of the power needed on some of those applications so they don't have to be fossil fuels. On most of the online stuff, they talked about using it on island industries or fisheries, using it for desalination of water, using them also for erosion prevention, putting them in a space to help calm waves and reduce how much erosion happens in an area, or just tying it to an energy grid. Their goal was to make good temporary or even permanent use power for disaster relief or off-the-grid islands. There's, there's multiple uses that they were really pushing for. The reason why I bring it up is not because, hey, this is a wonderful new technology. What I want to talk about is the fact that we're going to see a lot of technologies. Now that we're working on energy, we are going to see hundreds of different systems that are designed to collect or convert something into usable energy. This does not mean everything is going to survive. Some of these are the Betamax. Now, I'm not sure if I'm talking to a crowd that will understand Betamax, but I'll just say some things go obsolete because something else is what everybody else chose. So when I look at this, I see a competitor. I don't see a breakthrough. I see a breakthrough in minor technology. I see that they're getting better. Does that mean we stop? No, it never means we stop. We continue to learn. We continue to improve. We continue to get better. That's where the real value lies on these things that we're seeing. Any of these new technologies that people are criticizing, like, oh, that's not good enough. It wasn't the good enough that had to happen yet. It's the act of learning, the getting better, the taking those little bit, little bit, big bit steps, those things it takes before the real breakthroughs happen. We're in the infancy of an energy reform. We still have people arguing about keeping the old system. So we're not that evolved yet. There will always be these new startups, new inventions, money put into these industries, and we will see a lot of different things. But in the end, only a few will filter through. We don't know which ones they are yet. Now, in later shows coming up, we're going to talk about different kinds of energy use for transportation and stuff like that and what we think that the future holds. But right now, right now it's education time. So when you see these, enjoy them. But don't say, 
boy, that won't work at my house, or, well, that's just simply not enough. Because it isn't necessarily there to replace something. Right now, it is there so that we get smarter, more efficient, and better at what we do. So that when that other technology does show up, we are darn good at implementing it. We are darn good at making sure that it is useful to each and every one of us without the detriment to society or the environment. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you like this like pseudo quilt type show because I didn't want to just not have one. Nick feels bad and I think he'd feel way worse if we didn't have something here waiting for you Friday morning. So it's nice to be able to take all these notes that I can't quite use for one thing or another and just, just kind of throw them all together. So anyways... Again, I hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, share it with a friend or on social media. And if you really want to help us, jump onto iTunes and give us a five-star review. I know, not everybody listens on iTunes, and show is primarily pushed on Spotify. But they're the ones that have, like, this whole grip on five-star reviews. So, if you get a chance, and if you don't, and you want to put it on whatever site you're on, go for it. Hopefully you leave a comment because usually I get alerted and I would love to see them because I try to respond to just about anybody that is talking to us from unrealistic sustainability. If you really feel that this show brings value to your life, well, you can also go to greeningyourlife.org forward slash podcast. And there's a spot there where you can support the show as little as 99 cents a month. That's less than $12. Most places you can't get a decent meal for that. And that covers us the whole year. So starting at 99 cents is high as 9.99. And for those of you who already do it, thank you so very much. We do appreciate it. So thank you very, very much. And remember, we only get together each week to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike and for Nick, we'll see you next week.